0: on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 61, and you're listening to the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Shelby, who is passionate about creating a safe space for young women and lowering barriers. She took that passion and she created a Junior Rollo Derby team for young women. I'm excited to have Shelby, um, who has really harnessed her passion into meeting a need to come on the show today. Shelby, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely. Um, my name is Shelby Monder, or I go by Fleetwood Smack in the roller derby community. I am calling into this podcast today from Whitehorse on the traditional territory of the Dun First Nation and the Tonkwchon
0: Council. Well, welcome on the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we're just going to do what your right to speak fashion is and just dive right into the questions um, and see where this journey takes us today. Awesome. So to assist you with your project, from what I know, you have uh, were awarded when um, the grant, the Rising Youth, the Rising Youth grant. So I was wondering if you could tell the listeners, what is the Rising Youth grant? and what process did you take for applying to the grant?
1: Sure, of course, yeah. So the the Rising Youth grant um, was just this really cool opportunity um, to organize youth-led community projects um, in communities across Canada. Um, the process to apply was, was super simple. Um, I'm in a bit of a unique position because I also work for an impact partner, so we have a lot of good um, Guidance when it comes to applying for the grants, but basically I applied online for seven seven hundred and fifty dollars. Um, the application was super straightforward; just describe the project and and submit a, a brief budget. Um, yeah, it, it's really yeah. I found the whole the whole process just like really accessible. Um, and in the work that I do, um, we support youth in applying for the the projects for the grants as well and, and helping them implement implement their projects. So it was super helpful um, for me to go through that process on my own as well, to be able to, yeah, better support others in, in doing projects in our community as well.
0: Nice, um, you know, the more and more I talk to um, people who have been successful with the grants, the more and more I'm hearing how easy and accessible it is And how, you know, you're really um, given a chance to learn um, on how to really apply for bigger grants. For example, you know, you mentioned, you know, writing up a budget, you know, a lot of people may not necessarily know where to even begin for that with, you know, a larger grant, let's say. Um, Did you find that true for yourself as well?
1: Well, I think, yeah, I'm in a bit of a unique position because I, I am a grant writer essentially. Yeah. Um, so I have some experience with that, but what I think has been really helpful with the rising youth ones is that um, there's like so much there's so many samples out there. So when I was applying, like I can see samples of, of other budgets and there's a lot of like tips to how, how to fill the budget out. Um, and so when I'm helping like other young people, fill those out too like it's it's nice to have that example template to to follow through um especially with budgets because there's so much like when you're writing a budget there's so much there can be expenses that are kind of like outside of like what you would think of when it comes to the project so for like my roller derby project for example we wanted to make sure that youth had access to the equipment without having to um Pay for those expenses themselves so a big part of my grant was like skates uh, knee pads elbow pads that kind of thing but then one thing that i hadn't realized until i was working through the budget is like oh i'm going to need insurance and so there's always these you know so having samples of like what are some things that other folks have used the funding for was super helpful
0: yeah that's great um it's uh i i really like how there's like a learning um, process that is really teaching people on who may not have experience writing grants on how to learn and grow so I I think it's a great it's a great thing
1: (laughs) yeah definitely and I think it's like also helpful like you know if you're applying for scholarships or you know lots of there's lots of ways that we kind of have to like promote ourselves and and you know, sort of like sell projects that we're working on. So grant writing is one way, but it's like a skill that's super transferable, I feel like.
0: So can you um, explain to the listeners, what is your project? Why did you start it? um, And what gaps in the system is your project meeting?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, So I... Um, with the Rising Youth Grants, I started a junior roller te- derby team in in Whitehorse. Um, our team goes by the the Northern Knockouts now. Um, but basically, like personally, I started playing roller derby um, for the Yukon Roller Girls about three years ago um, at, a, at a time in my life where I was, you know, I didn't have a very good outlet for like coping with stress. Um and I wasn't really feeling like a ton of control um, in like in some parts of my life, you know, like work. Um, my mom was just recovering um, from like a pretty serious cancer. So it just felt like, you know, a little bit out of control. And so I joined the Yukon Roller Girls and learning to skate um, and play roller derby is, you know, it's about athleticism, sure. But it's also a lot about like resilience and owning your own space and sort of like taking control of your body um and then also like taking control of your your mind you know like you have to have a lot of like mindfulness and mind over matter to like keep getting up when you fall um so yeah so I guess that's why why I started playing roller derby um but at that, at that same time, I also had a little sister through Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Yukon. Um, and she was just like, she was 10 years old. She was so, so curious about what roller derby was. And she loved to come to my practices and like try my skates. And sometimes I'd like pull her along the road um, <laughs> while she was wearing my gear. Um, and so I just thought that starting a junior team would be a really good way for the Yukon roller girls to give back to our community and support a younger generation of just like badass resilient female identified folks um I had also witnessed in some of my work that a lot of young female identified youth around the age of 10 to 11 that's when they really start to like struggle with with self-esteem um and there's some studies that show at that time that they sort of like started dropping out of organized sports at a like a much quicker rate than their male identified peers um so i just really wanted to try to create this space that um felt i don't know i guess like safe and exciting and um like a little bit badass for for young Female-identified folks to to get together and and try something new.
0: That sounds like a great thing. I mean, I love it. I love how um, th- there's the giving um, back aspect and and really recognizing that um, the age group. I think you said between ten and eleven. Th- that's when they really start to drop out of sports. I I think it's I think it's great. <laughs> what do you you know from your project what do you hope your future plans are what are you hoping to achieve
1: yeah i um so like for the future yeah i just i hope we can continue to grow the team we have a group of um 10 young skaters who come out um each each week and we'd like to continue growing that sort of like roster of of skaters um and a lot of the goals now for the team are are driven are driven by them so so for them they would really love to like have a game against another team um which is sometimes difficult for us to do being here here in Whitehorse but um yeah and to keep practicing and in junior roller derby there's like there's levels of of derby, So right now we're working on um, junior roller, roller derby level one, um, and the skaters are really excited to progress all the way up to level three, where they can really start playing with um, some intentional contact with other skaters. So right now we don't play full contact. We just do like positional blocking and not hitting, but they'd like to get to a point where they're um, feeling stable and balanced enough on their skates that they can practice a little hitting.
0: Nice. I may want to learn this. <laughs> it sounds like a cool thing. <laughs> so fun. It's yeah, it's really fun. What's so in your you know process of developing a project and working with the girls that you do or the, the female identified folks that you do, what were some of the challenges that you um, had to overcome or what are some of the things you've learned from this whole process?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess you know. I think we were really lucky in our community that we we didn't have too too many challenges. One of the sort of like perceived challenges that I thought of before before starting the project was like, what are parents and caregivers gonna think? Um, are they gonna want to enroll their kids in? in roller derby it seemed you know it seemed like it might seem very like tough or scary or um so i held this like caregiver information night where we you know showed some derby clips from other junior derby teams and we we talked a little bit about the sport and and all the safety precautions that we take um and like the adults in the room were just totally um into it so that was sort of like one challenge that i thought but it never really panned out to be challenging at all um and then, yeah, otherwise, the, the community has been really supportive. We get our space in kind from the city of Whitehorse, so we're able to practice in a school gym. Um, and now we also receive some funding from the Yukon Youth Investment Fund and from um, 100 Women Who Care Whitehorse. So we went and did like a presentation about Junior Roller Derby and um, the 100 women in the room um, decided to yeah give us some sponsorship. But Personally, like I've learned a lot about coaching a sport, I guess. Um, So there's, you know, there's the technical pieces, like you have to be able to skate and balance and and do certain things on your skates to be safe enough to play roller derby. But there's also been a lot of sort of like emotional coaching. Um, And it's been really cool since we started about two years ago to see, um, you know, some of the, the skaters who had a really hard time when they would like fall down, um, you know, like either feeling embarrassed or, or hurt, um, just to see like how much more resilient they are now. So like now they fall and if they're not hurt, they like laugh and they get up or they, they strike a pose. Um, and I think that's like a skill that we've, heard feedback from some parents and caregivers that like has carried into other um, parts of their life. So just having a little bit more resilience, a little bit more like emotional regulation has just been this really cool sort of like unintended learning, I guess. And um, yeah, it shouldn't be a surprise because that's how it helped me, but it was just kind of this cool surprise, I guess.
0: (laughs) Nice. Have you uh, thought of or have used like the team that you're on to kind of mentor the junior team?
1: Yeah. So we, um, there's myself and there's three other skaters from the Yukon roller girl teams who are really like the, the coaches of, of the junior team. So we're we're there um, each practice always helping and mentoring. And then we, um, the, the adult team, sort of they we play scrimmages once a week just against each other but we invite the junior team to come and help um like ref or call penalties or keep score so that they can kind of see the see the game in action um and we also yeah we um try like we skate in like parades and stuff here in in Whitehorse and so that's like a really nice time for the the junior and the adult teams to come together.
0: Have you thought about eventually branching out to other sports or bringing in other people to coach junior teams of other sports?
1: Um I haven't I haven't really thought about that. Um there's a lot of other sports like available um in our community. We have a huge like minor hockey league. Um, there's uh, like a really cool junior mountain biking club, um, so there's there's a lot of of other stuff available for youth. But one thing that we have been sort of like thinking about, and we haven't we haven't like progressed too far in this plan, but is just like is um, could junior roller derby have a place in like the other Yukon communities? Like, is there an interest in in other communities. So I think that's a way we would potentially scale is not necessarily, um, branching out into other sports, but like, you know, could, could we make, um, is it possible to make junior derby an option that's available in, in other communities?
0: Well, if anyone were to do it, I know it'd be you.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, and there's so many like former roller girls either from like the Yukon team or from other teams across the country here. So it's just, yeah, finding those people who could potentially coach in other, in other communities.
0: So I want to shift our gears a little bit away from the project and more on the topic, if that makes sense. Um, so what I wanna ask you next is what other gaps have you noticed for female identified folks? And what do you think is a good starting point to address these gaps?
1: I, yeah, I have been thinking about this question since you sent it to me and it feels very like big and overwhelming. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, Sorry. No, that's okay. But I guess like some of the gaps that sort of like came to my mind immediately, um, you know, are are things like the the wage gap or um, high rates of sexualized assault and intimate partner violence, um, access to mental health support, high rent. Um, A lot of these are like community issues, but they also like impact female identified trans two spirited folks like way way more um yeah in terms of i guess yeah lowering these barriers and and addressing these gaps there's also like so 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 much work um to be done um and i think there's some yeah some really important work that needs to be done around like affordable childcare. um And we still have a lot of work to do on, like, believing survivors of assault and violence. Um, But one thing that has been cool through this, like, junior roller derby is, um, like, teaching female identified folks about, like, their boundaries and, and communicating boundaries and consent. So one thing that we do a lot in our practices is just, like, talk to each other, like roller derby is a very very hands-on sport but like you need to be able to tell your teammates how um you maybe like want to be touched and don't want to be touched um and that's just like a skill that's so important outside of derby as well in terms of like healthy relationships and healthy healthy boundaries so that's like one small way that we're we're working on, on addressing some of the issues of like, you know, violence in our, in our community. Um, yeah. It's just giving young people like that, that language to be like, you know, yeah. Talking about their, their boundaries and, and consenting to things within this like realm of sport, but hopefully um, it gives them the confidence to talk about those things when it's like, more important
0: i mean it i think that's great and and i love that you brought that example up because essentially you know you're not only teaching roller derby you're teaching life skills that can be used outside of the sport which i think is so so valuable and you know often i know in my experience you know working with youth you know, it's a youth are learning skills without even knowing that they're learning skills. Right. And th- that's what you're kind of doing. And I, I, I think that's pretty cool to kind of really collaborate between, you know, the sport and teaching life skills that I think are so, so valuable.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it and it happens so naturally, like it's something like when I was, you know, sort of like conceiving of this project that I had thought about, but in the like actual, um coaching of it it it's not always um it's not always really explicit but then when i'm like later reflecting on the conversations that we had during practice i'm like oh okay good like you know there was this sport related thing that they learned but like then their communication here about this thing that happened was really really strong um and clear and yeah that's been kind of yeah, that's been neat to reflect on after, after each practice, or to try and build on um, in future practices.
0: Yeah, and I love that. And you know, a lot of the gaps that you mentioned previously, for me, you know, they're long-standing gaps, and they're gaps that have been in the system for. A long time and as far as i can see the you know the gaps you've mentioned as much as we've moved forward as society to address some of the stuff like wage gap for example i mean we're not there uh quite yet and i would think it i mean we're in the year 2020 and i know the world is going through covid and whatnot but <laughs> you would think that some of these gaps would have been addressed by now
1: yeah and i think well, yeah, definitely, you would, yeah, we we would hope. And, and then I think um, one thing that we're seeing in our community right now, especially with COVID, is, like, there's a, I feel like there's maybe more awareness about some of the gaps that exist in our community. And they existed pre-pandemic. Um, they're a little bit, like, maybe, I don't know, they seem, like, more more obvious and important like during a pandemic and so I'm really sort of optimistic about how we continue to like hold these issues up when the world starts to return um to something that we like recognize a little bit more but I've been thinking a lot about like Um, some folks who've been saying like we don't we don't want to go back to normal normal wasn't working and so like how do we how do we take these issues that we're seeing now um, that existed before but that we're maybe paying more attention to now and and continue to like give them the attention and the work that they
0: deserve I mean that's one positive thing that's come out of COVID (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear.
1: <laughs> yeah, not to paint the whole thing with the silver lining, but um, I'm excited to see how we continue to advocate for our most vulnerable after the pandemic.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I for me, you know, in terms of talking about social justice in general, I mean, once a light is shined on the issue, the light's there, right? And... You hope that once there's greater awareness um, that the issues start to get addressed. One can hope. Fingers crossed. So I'm going to ask you another large question. (laughs) How do you think, and we touched a little bit upon this, but how do you think society or people could continue to create a safe space and lower barriers for young female identified folks?
1: yeah i I wrote myself some notes, and just beside this question, I just wrote huge question um, <laughs> so I guess the the one the one thing that um I Thought about when I read this question, and it and it seems really simple, but I feel like it's actually a lot harder to do. Is just is listen to young female identified folks when they're talking to you about what they need or what they what they're seeing. Um, if we want to create safer spaces and lower barriers for folks, we we need to listen um, to the. To those people, Um, and like we need to listen to understand and not listen to respond. And so, kind of the example that I was thinking of is um, in on our on our junior roller derby team. Some of the skaters had some male identified friends that that really wanted to join, and so we had this like big long discussion about that. You know, like the coaches, we just put that to the group. You know, we didn't want to tell them like. This is a female-identified space only, or this is, you know, um, it. We wanted it to really be up to them to decide, and after, after listening and talking, they just came to the decision themselves that they wanted to keep the space um, for for them, um, and I think I think that's really important. I think lots of times when we're trying to um, lower barriers or create safer spaces, like. Um, we might think that we have a lot of good ideas for for other people and we might, but we need to hear the ideas of the people on the ground um, and that the decisions are going to impact. So I think listening is um really one of our strongest tools to to create spaces and then also like involving um in this case involving our skaters in the setup of their space so from the very beginning we did like a little like team code and team agreement and um you know that maybe sounds like a little bit silly and a little bit cute but a lot of the stuff that came out of it was like how they wanted to treat each other how they didn't want to have any like negative self-talk in their space um and like you know really really important stuff came came out of it that kind of set the stage so that when they come each week, they know what to expect. And they know that they're walking into, I say safer space because no space can be 100% safe for everyone. But they know that they're walking into a safer space.
0: So there's, I, I mean, I love that you brought that all up. I think, you know, the the listening piece is such a easy concept, but also so difficult. And, you know, I would agree with you to say that I lost my train of thought. Look at that. (laughs) Safer space. Uh, Oh, well, it will come back to me. Anyways. um, Shoot, what was I saying? Oh, listening. Yes you know it is such an easy concept to do but also so difficult and you know i appreciate you bringing up the point that you know oftentimes when we're addressing gaps in the system or we are doing something social justice there a lot of people tend to or a lot of groups tend to put on their beliefs on how to fix the issue on to- on the community if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And often, you know, th- that listening piece is such, for me, it's such a critical a critical thing. And it, it's something so simple. And often, you know, we think it's so small, but it's so impactful. And, it, you know, with listening comes so many things. Like, it, you know, you mentioned including, you know, the junior team in creating that space, that's part of listening, right? It, it's such a foundational piece to social justice, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I had ideas for what I wanted that space to to look like, but the space ultimately is, is not for me. Um, so it, you know, it doesn't really matter what I want it to look like. Right. Um, <laughs>
0: brought up and we're going to get off topic just slightly, but I, you know, I think it's worth exploring and it was a good point. You said that a space cannot be a hundred percent safe. It can be safer. Uh-huh. Would you, can you, you know, I very much believe in that. And I was just wondering if you can further explore or, you know, kind of further explain that to the listeners. Cause I think that's such an important point.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think especially like in the in the beginning stages when you're making relationships with with young people in in a group like this you just we just don't always know what struggles youth are walking into that space with and 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 we might we might never know so you might think you have done all this great work um, to make to make the safe space feel safe but there are so many intersections of what safety can feel like for folks and so for me when i when i use safer space it just reminds me i guess to never never stop trying to create a safe space um so like recognizing that you know even from day to day like a a a skater who found the space really supportive and safe last week might walk in and and have had like a different week or weekend or day um, and the space feels a little bit more challenging to them and so thinking about um, making a safer space versus a safe space is just a reminder to like um, I guess like always keep doing that that work um, and always like leaving it open for discussion so. Yeah, like every once in a while, we'll check in and we'll be like, are there any, any, is there anything that needs to be added to our team code? We do checkouts each week where we just talk about like where we're, where we're at, how practice was for us, if we're, if we were bringing any other, like any other things from the week into practice. And that's just always served as a really good reminder that um, I guess that your space is always in flux. So you can never just give it like a safe stamp if if that makes sense
0: no it, to me it does, and i I just love that you you know brought that up and you know often when you know I used to do some program development, you know me creating a safe space or working with young persons um, to create a safe space was very much part of my work and it's very true it is a non-stop type of thing you know you you can't stop what never occurred to me though and you brought it up and I I, you know I love that you brought that up was one it's on the individual basis but it sounds like what you're kind of alluding to it's also on the day-to-day right so A space may be good for, let's say, a youth one day, but what may happen then the next day may make the space a little bit less unsafe for them or make them feel uncomfortable. So I think that is something that I often forget about and um, I think a lot of people do. So I think it's kind of refreshing to really think about the day-to-day, not just the individual, but the daily experiences.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's just so many things that, that can, can impact us. And, um, I'm always reminded of this, um, story, like I was, we were working with some youth at, at my job and we were asking them, you know, like, what does mental health feel like? And, um, one of the young participants in the room said, it feels like a hole in my sock. Um, and some days you can just put that sock on and you don't care that your big toe is sticking out. And then some days it's like all that you feel. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's kind of like checking in day to day with, with your group. Like, are you feeling that hole in your sock or like, is it, is it not bothering you today? And like every, yeah, every day is just so, so different.
0: (laughs) What a great analogy. (laughs)
1: yeah it was so awesome I was I yeah it's the best way to describe (laughs) mental health I've (laughs) heard
0: yeah (laughs) um I mean this is a whole other podcast episode for me I can talk hours about creating a safe space and all this lovely stuff but we do need to get back on topic (laughs) But I do appreciate you exploring that stuff a little bit with me.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for asking. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a challenging idea to, to flesh out. And um, I'm not always sure if I'm doing it right, but I think the point is to just keep trying and keep adapting. So yeah, I appreciate the discussion.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So in, terms of or in regards to the rising youth Grant, you know it offers a very specific i think resource and learning experience for its grantees um why do you think it's important for organizations such as rising youth to be supporting young people in their projects
1: well i just think it's like of of the utmost importance especially when we are talking about you know, like creating safer spaces and lowering barriers for, for youth, like those ideas need to come from them. Um, and I think the really awesome thing about the the Rising Youth Grants is that it like, it like puts that money where that mouth is. Um, that's not super eloquent, but basically it, it like gives the resources to young people to like create those opportunities and experiences um, and things that are important to them, like in their in their community. So it's not just about asking youth, like, "Hey, what do you want to see? What do you want this to look like?" It's it's saying, like, "Here, you have the power to create it," um, which I think, yeah, is just is just so important. Like a lot of young people, including myself, can feel like pretty disenfranchised at times and so to have like a a project and a network of people and supporters just being like nope like you you know like you can do all these things and and here's how and here's the support is just yeah it's just so important
0: you know and really they do the listening piece that we talked about previously I mean they're at, generally speaking they're asking young people how do you want to address a certain gap and they're listening
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um and it's been yeah it's been really cool like since applying for for this grant and doing my own project I've been able to see like also some other projects taking place in our in our community and um they're all so like unique and well thought out um and so important like this past summer um i was like involved in a, a leadership debate that a youth had applied for a rising youth grant for so they applied for some funding they invited all of the federal candidates for for our riding um to a debate and they came up they asked for questions to be submitted from youth the young person who applied for the grant was a moderator. Like it was just, I don't know, it was just so so amazing. And it's really cool to see like where other people's um, brains are at, I guess.
0: So, I mean, I think I know the answer to this question, but do you believe more organizations um, should be making a shift to provide these types of resources to young people to develop their own projects. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think, I think even if you don't have the resources, there are like excellent ways to take like the spirit of a project like this into your own project. So if you don't have like the financial resources behind it, um, to be able to grant and to use things, there are still ways to have your, your project youth led and to have, um, like, ideas and opinions of, of young people, like truly inform your, your work. So yeah, I, I would say yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) We're near the end of the show and I'm going to be asking you what's become your right to speak's trademark question over the years. What does advocacy mean to you?
1: Another, yeah, another huge, huge question. Um, I mean, I think for me, obviously, like personally, it just kind of means like speaking up about the issues um, that are important to me. Um, But I also think on like a grander scale, it's maybe like using... um, using the space that I have or, or being, being able to create space, um, and opportunities for youth to practice like their own advocacy when, when possible. So I, I try to think a lot about, um, like, yeah, I guess when, when I am trying to advocate for things, I try to think a lot about like, if, if I am the right person to be, to be doing that or, um, if, if some of these things are, are, are better expressed by others. And so I guess like, I think about like, when, when should I be speaking or when should I be like passing the mic and creating spaces for, for other people to speak? Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if that really answers your question, but these are kind of all the things that zoom around in my head when I think about, think about advocacy, um, and that there are some issues that I'm like passionate about and want to advocate for. Um, but maybe I, I'm not the person who's going to be like most impacted by that. And so like when, yeah, just thinking about like, when should I speak? (laughs) Um, and, and when is it better to like, give my opportunity to speak to someone else?
0: Uh, That's perfect. That's, become part of my evolving definition of advocacy for me personally. So uh, yes, it does answer the question. And, and for me, that question is a very personable one. So um, every answer is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a good way for us to end the show. Is there anything else you would like to say before we end our conversation? No,
1: I don't think so. I just, yeah, I want to say thanks. It's really awesome to be able, um, to share about junior roller derby. Um, the skaters I work with work so hard, so I'm excited for other, uh, people to hear yeah, a little, little bit about them. them. <laughs> bit about
0: them. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for taking the time out to speak with me. It's been a great conversation.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you. It's nice to, to meet you and uh, yeah, hopefully, um, One day we could do this in person.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, So thank you for the listeners um, for listening to this week's episode of the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. Um, For more information about the program uh, we provide or to start your own project, you can visit risingyouth.ca. Let's raise awareness together.